Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,508. If I put my mind to it and did to the best of my ability, that is how you are successful doing that. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Charles Navarro, who's calling in from Illinois today. Charles Navarro is the president of LN Engineering, a company he founded while studying computer science at Northwestern University back in 2002, along with his wife, Tammy. LN Engineering formed a niche previously non-existent for precision performance aftermarket engine components specifically targeted towards addressing known issues and improving upon original equipment engine components for Volkswagen and Porsche models. There's two marks that I'm in love with. LN Engineering is best known for its trademark Nikki's air-cooled cylinders. Some of you out there are smiling right now because you know all about that. We're going to learn more about that. The company has evolved and grown, and along with other companies like Arabi Engine Development, focuses on research and development leading to solutions for past and current models. I'll be back in just a minute to introduce Charles, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah possible. We'll be right back. Hey Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Charles, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, we'll have a little bit of fun today. So before we get rolling here, and I'm going to have you talk in depth a bit about your business, but I want you to share maybe one little thing that most people may not know about you, Charles. Well, um, I've always loved cars. My uh, dream car as a kid and still today is a Porsche 959. I probably <laughs> won't ever own one. Um, and if I own one, the problem is I'd probably want to drive it. And okay. uh, I think the per, the per mile, I think, is very expensive on, uh, on one of those. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up in Southern California. And uh, after high school, I moved to Illinois uh, to go to school at Northwestern. 
And it was while I was at Northwestern that I really uh, got into cars. The way the business started that uh, I couldn't figure out a problem I had with my uh, Super Beetle that I had at the time. And I went on to the forum, which, as you probably know, weren't very well developed in the uh, early 2000s. So I found somebody that happened to be going to school at Northwestern as well, and he was a car guy. He had a Gia with a 914 engine in it, and we started working on uh, our cars together, and we actually started the business together. After uh, college, he decided that he wanted to continue his education and go to Stanford. Uh, I took over the business, and uh, Jake Raby, uh, who was our first customer, uh, became my close friend and uh, mentor, and he helped me grow the business. Pretty much those of you who know uh, who I am know all the work that Jake and I have done together, and yeah. uh, the rest is kind of history. You know, this is a, such a fun story, and it touches me a bit because my regular listeners know I love Porsches, and my first Porsche wannabe car was a 67 Carmen Ghia back when I was in high school. Promptly bought that car, took it all apart, rebuilt it, put a bigger engine in it, and did all the usual stuff kids do, painted it with a Porsche color and special wheels and all this stuff. and. uh yeah, they're fun, and I've loved Porsche 911s. They're my car of choice for many, many years. So I think we're going to have some fun talking today about the engineering side and all the things you do at LN Engineering. But first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life and your career. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Charles, grab the wheel. For a mantra, my parents uh, are of Cuban descent. Uh, they immigrated to the U.S. Both my grandfather and my father had their own businesses. My father actually works for me now. He was my first employee. But Wow, that's cool. <laughs> uh, nothing was given to them. They had to earn it. While I was in school and starting the business, I realized that whatever I chose to do, if I put my mind to it and did to the best of my ability, that is how you are successful doing that. And if you didn't look at it that way, there was no point in doing it. And you're just wasting your time and everyone else's time. You know, it's it's so tremendous. And I, I have a big smile on my face. And you hear about people coming to this country, especially coming from Cuba, um, and having to make their way and reinvent their lives and remake their uh, their lives. And then for you to be born. Now, are you born here or were you born from in Cuba? I was born here. You were born here. Okay. So obviously they they came here to make a better life for the, for themselves and their families and and look where you've ended up. I mean, going to prestigious university, having your own business, hiring your dad. Now I've got to ask you, that's got to be a little bit odd. Um, usually it's the parent hiring the child to work in their business. The other way around, any any conflicts or things that you encounter with having dad as an employee, or does he uh, he still have to kind of set you straight once in a while if you act uh, up? We're very much the same, so we know how to push each other's buttons, uh, and that's, yeah. that's always been the case, but it's funny that starting the business, I would go to all the Porsche events and shows, and I was, at the time, 20 years old when I was starting the business, and a lot of people would look at me and go, he's too young to know anything, and when my dad had started working for me, everyone assumed that my dad had started the business. And that I was following him where it was the other way around, that he was in the aerospace industry and he was just tired of the rat race in Southern California and hours and hours of commuting to Carson 
So uh, I gave him the opportunity to move to Illinois and come work uh, for me and, and reduce his uh, commute down to half a mile from his house to uh, <laughs> to the office. <laughs> you know, I think this is pretty cool. I, a couple of weeks ago, I had Lorena Esposito uh, from Espo Resto, and she, she quit her career as a singer and, and uh, performer to go work for her dad, uh, John, who's well known in Los Angeles for rebuilding and restoring old Porsches and so forth. And um, you know, having that daughter father, although she works for him, but she's running the business and at some point when he's ready to step aside. But I think this is cool that you brought your dad back with you, uh, got out of that uh, traffic situation in Los Angeles. And uh, like you said, he just uh, almost walks down the road to work every day. So I think that's pretty darn cool. Fun story. Well, let's talk a bit more about LN Engineering. I mean, you've done some Really cool, innovative things that are right up my alley with air-cooled engines and then evolving into water-cooled engines. Tell our listeners a lot more about what it is you guys do there, some of these collaborations with other companies, like we talked about Raby, uh, with lubricants and so forth. So uh, tell us all about LN Engineering. Uh, the first product that we developed were our air-cooled uh, billet cylinders, and that was a college project. And from the project, it turned into the business. and as we started making cylinders for Volkswagen and then the Porsche 914, it just evolved as other people found out what we were doing. They would ask, well, I would like these for my 356 or I would like these for my 911. And we just expanded to cover the rest of the Porsche air-cooled range. And it wasn't until uh, several years later, I was in California at the now defunct uh, Ventura Auto Fest and uh, Bruce Anderson came up to me and he goes, Charles, you have to do something about these water-cooled cars. And at, at that point, really anything that had coolant going through it really didn't interest me. I just was really focused on the air-cooled uh, Porsches. And I came straight home. I bought a Boxster. I called a recycling yard, bought four blown-up Boxster engines, and just started to figure out what was wrong with them and what we had to do to correct them. And the, probably the hardest part was at that point, I was work, still working really closely with Jake Raby. And some of you may know him on Pelican part and his avatar is no H2O. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was sworn uh, against doing anything with a water-cooled car. But uh, the fact that Bruce Anderson basically gave us a mandate to do this, and Jake is a Marine just as uh, Bruce was, it was something that uh, we took to heart and just grabbed it and ran with it. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating and very, very cool. And I want to do a shout out to Tony Callis of Callis Rensport. Tony's the one who introduced me here to Charles and said, hey, you got to have him on your show and talk about this, especially since I love old Porsches so much. And of course, the old air-cooled, which are near and dear to my heart. Uh, although the new Porsches are pretty darn cool, but I still have a an 87 Turbo out in the garage that... Uh, makes all the right noises and so forth. I think that's neat. What are some of the things that the company over time has evolved into uh, as a response of just the changing platform of Porsche and, and these engines these days? Well, with the water-cooled cars, we originally started with cylinder solutions. So our main business is making air-cooled cylinders. So there were cylinder issues with the water-cooled M96 engines found in Boxster, Cayman, and 911 engines from 97 through 2008. So obviously, we developed cylinders solutions for those engines. But uh, the IMS bearing at that point wasn't so much uh, a well-known problem. It was dealerships were contacting us 
seeing that we were doing cylinder fixes, saying, hey, do you offer anything for an intermediate shaft? And we came up with some solutions for the intermediate shaft while the engine was apart, so we can update the delay shaft in the engine. You saw um, the M96 engines you're talking about? Yes, on the M96 engine. Then dealerships were asking us, can you come up with something so we can change the bearing without taking the engine apart? And then along with Jake Raby, uh, we figured out how to make the tools and come up with a procedure and everything to change the bearing without engine disassembly. But even still at that point, people didn't realize this was a really big issue. And it wasn't until the Easton class action lawsuit several years later that uh, Porsche settled that the extent of the IMS bearing issue was made public. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, it still continues to be these days when you buy cars of that era and, you know, has the bearing been replaced and what's happened to it and, you know, will it go, when it will go and all of that. So I think that's very cool that you guys came in and had a solution for them uh, to help them get through that. So very cool. You know, it sounds like you figured out what you wanted to do in your life pretty early, which a lot of people, it takes them decades of working in different industries. What was it about in that early time when you were in college? You said, this is what I want to do as a career and as a business. Well, like I said, I always loved cars. And Mm -hmm. my father-in-law is a car guy as well. Um, He has a a micro car collection. uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) And he also specializes in invalid cars from the UK. Invalid cars. Yes, invalid cars. Of all things, it is a thing. He was featured in the New York Times a few years back for his collection, and he was also on American Pickers, <laughs> for those of you who uh, watched that show. Uh, but it was his like of cars as well. He liked working on them. And I said, hey, you know what? I want an old car. So my first car that I bought was a 73 uh, VW Super Beetle in college. And it didn't have good heat. It burned a whole lot of oil. It was rusty, and I was always working on it. But I love, I loved that car. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the great thing about those old cars, too, like my Ghia, relatively easy to work on. Uh, parts were easy to find. It was inexpensive, of course. That great book, The Complete Guide, or The Guide for Co- the Complete Idiot, uh, the VW book, which you probably had a copy of that, too. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, I still have mine. Still got all the uh, oily fingerprints all over it from way back yep. in the day, even though I've long since uh, not had those cars around. But, uh, that was one of those great books that really helped me get through many things so I could fix stuff myself on the cheap while I was in high school and, um, you know, keep the car on the road. I think that's great. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You know, running a business, operating a business is fraught with challenges, uh, failures, uh, highs and lows. Could you walk us through one that was a particularly remembering? Is that a, the way to say it? Uh, a lesson in life, if you will. Share with us an experience that helped you gain even more momentum as you came out of that difficult period? Probably the most difficult thing that happened to me was probably around 2014. It was somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, Obviously, I didn't do my own manufacturing. Like most companies, we come up with an idea and we have it outsourced and have it made. And at the time, I was having a local company to me doing all our manufacturing. And there were some issues I was having with the company, quality issues, and we were being uh, very thorough in checking the parts, make sure everything's okay, and we were returning parts that weren't correct. And the uh, company uh, fired me as a customer. Oh. And 
and okay. threaded every purchase order and basically told me uh, to fly a kite and figure it out on my own. I had luckily probably about three months of uh, inventory for most products, and I had to reinvent myself completely, find new manufacturers, and even worse, the guy that was making all our parts was actually a friend of mine, and I had done all the engineering with him and not paid for him for the engineering. So he kept all the engineering and wouldn't give it to me. Oh, my gosh. So I had to reverse engineer my own products and do that in three months and come up with another manufacturer. So um, it was quite the lesson. I can thankfully say now we do 100% of our own manufacturing in-house. It was a hard lesson learned, and it took many years to get to the point that I am now, but uh, I don't have to be reliant on somebody else. You know, this is such an important lesson. I went through some of the similar things in a previous company that I ran. And when you're reliant on one company to supply you with with your only product or maybe a significant product that you sell, no matter what it might be, I used to always think to myself, what if? I mean, what if they cease to exist? What if they do something wrong? What if they can't supply us with what we need? And in our lifeblood is this. And it led us in the, the way of that business to start creating our own products, manufacturing our own products like you've done. But I always tell people, if I'm helping people, and I do that with some other companies, I, I sit on a board and help these companies sometimes, and I say, you know, what if? Look at everything within your company. What if this happened? It's the same with your people. If you have one person in your company that's in charge of a major component, what if that, I used to say, what if they get hit by a bus? You know, it's not to say they leave on their own, but what if? You need to have contingency plans. So if you went back and relearned that lesson over again before that happened to you, what would you have been putting in place? Would it be manufacturing on your own or would it be having multiple sources? Because you think about supply chain, and we're dealing with that a lot right now with this coronavirus issue. These supply chains are being cut off because of rules and regulations or who knows what. Um, you know, you just don't know what what's going to happen. A, a virus comes along and disrupts your supply chain. What do you do? Exactly. Yeah, you would. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do the manufacturing on my on my own at that point. What I probably should have done, and what many people told me I should have been doing, is not putting all my eggs in one basket. And I'm stubborn and hard headed, and usually I have to make a mistake, but at least I learn from the mistakes when I make it. And try, and try not to repeat that mistake. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I would encourage listeners out there that have a business where you have, uh, you know, it's the same with investing. I mean, just don't put all your eggs in one basket because uh, something changes, something completely out of your control. You talk about this coronavirus and how it's affecting the stock markets right now. And you just sit there and go, oh, my gosh, how, how could that have affected my life savings? Uh, this is crazy. But there's all these things interlaced, so always have something else in your back pocket. And I think like you, you mentioned people had suggested to you what you should have been doing is is listen to those suggestions sometimes and uh, heed them and, and paint the picture. What if? What if? What if? So, wow, amazing story. Well, I'm glad you came through that. Three months is a really short time to have to fix a major problem like that. Kudos to you for pulling that off. My gosh. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal 
for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Okay, we are back, and let's uh, talk about something a little more fun than supply chain uh, uh, blockages and coronaviruses and a, a stock market that's as scary as crazy. Tell us about a story that instigated this passion that you have for cars. You touched on that 73 Super Beetle. We had one of those in our family. I'm familiar with those cars. Tell us a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy. Well, it has to be with that Super Beetle again. When I was in college, it was one winter. I was parked outside uh, my apartment in an alley in Evanston, and I wanted to go somewhere. I don't remember where. It's not important. But it, the car was stuck in the snow. It was an auto stick model. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you still have to row through the gears, but there's no clutch pedal. And it yeah, that was, a, that was a really weird transmission in those things. It was odd. So I left it in gear, in top gear, so I could, once it, I got it loose, it would not get stuck again. Unfortunately, it got loose and it took off without me. Oh and, my gosh. <laughs> and, it, and it went down the alley and hit every trash can down the alley. But that's not the worst part of it. There was an Evanston PD car sitting oh. there. And, oh, no. And they were watching, and they were just dying of laughter watching this old beetle bounce down the uh, the alley. And it eventually got stuck in the snow again. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and I learned my I learned my lesson. 
that that's a, a real vivid memory that I have of why I fell in love with that car. I mean, it's just something, and I have a similar memory in college. I also bought a square back and, oh, those are and cool. I restored it uh, on the weekends. I'd go to my father-in-law's and I'd work on it. And I restored it. And I remember the first day I got the drivetrain in and it ran. It didn't have any fenders on it, glass in it, doors on it, but I wanted to drive it. And I put a milk crate down and I yeah. drove the car to the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did the same in my Gia with a, a, a beach chair. <laughs> just, to, you know, just to see if it we drove it around the street and people are looking at like, what the heck's going on with that guy? Yeah, that's fun. Well, you know, I, I don't mean to laugh at your beetle taking off down the driveway and crashing into a police car, but it's kind of funny when you think about it. And those those were really odd. I remember the first time I drove one of those. I thought, well, who came up with this silly idea? This is just weird. You know, the fact that you had to actually shift, but no clutch. And, and you had to do it a certain way, or it really didn't work very well either. It was it was pretty unique. What do they call Didn't they have a, a name for those? I'm trying to... Yes. They, the, the, so on the Volkswagen, it was an auto stick. And in the Porsche, it's a Sportomatic. Sportomatic. That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah. Porsche, yeah. Porsche did the same thing. So very cool. Uh, well, how about, you know, you, you may have re-answered the question here. Uh, do you have a first really special vehicle, maybe beyond that first VW, or is that, that the one you're going to keep going back to here, that, that lovely little 73? Actually, the square back that I restored, uh, because I actually, I had it through college. For years after college, I built a big 914 engine for it. I drove it everywhere. And at some point, I decided that I was ready to move on, and I sold the car and I was at the Volo Classic Car Museum for a, a Porsche event. And there was a square back in the parking lot with a for sale sign on it. And it was mine. Oh, my gosh. I sold and I bought the car back. No way. <laughs> Serious? Yep. That's so cool. Now, what year was your square back? It was a 72. 72. You know, I, I remember in high school, a couple of friends having those. And I thought they were just so cool. Now, of course, I kind of thought my gear was cooler because it was a little more sporty. but. Um, they were great for back in the day, living in Southern California, surfing. You could throw boards in the back and the seats would go down and they're kind of cool, but perfect for a 914 engine. Yeah. With, uh, about, uh, probably had somewhere around 200 horsepower. So it was, <laughs> it was quite, it was quite fast. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, I, I, I rebuilt the engine and put a 2110 CC in my, my Gia that had dual Delardo carbs and everything, but it didn't have anywhere near 200 horsepower. That would have been cool. I always dreamt about putting like a 2.2 liter 911 engine in that. Uh, that would have been fun. But uh, it didn't have a budget for that back then when I was in high school. Paper routes didn't pay that well. So. Well, uh, here's a very introspective question for you, Charles. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a, a vehicle, what would you be and why? Oh, that's a, whew, um, a weird question. I know. It's a, it's a weird question. <laughs> I would probably see a VW Vanagon. A Vanagon? Okay. And why a van again? They're not much to look at. They're not very aerodynamic. Uh, oh, come on. Give yourself a little more credit than that. <laughs> there, but uh, I forget if it was Road and Track or Motor Trend back in the day. They, uh, it was, I believe it was on the cover, and it said it was the 911 of van. Um, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a stretch, but uh, yeah, they were never really known to be very fast, but. Uh, you know, they're so cool. Uh, and even as they got newer, you know, you had the, the older 70 versions of the van again, I guess. Um, and then they moved up into the 80s when they got a little more 
I don't know if streamlined is they became almost more boxy. I, I kind of prefer the round ones, but but they were so cool for camping and you know, they kind of go everywhere. They could drive through the snow fine and everything. And again, t- not terribly fast, but certainly kind of cool. And now, of course, we all know they become collector items. And, I have an 86 Weekender with a, with a in- increased displacement engine. So it can cruise at uh, 80 mile per hour with AC with five people and all the luggage. So oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can make them move. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know a guy who, ha- who had one fabricated and put a, a 993 engine in the back and uh, all these Porsche suspension components and bits. I mean, that thing flew. And way back in 96, I was in Germany, picked up a new Porsche at the factory, and we're driving through the Black Forest, and we found this place called the Rat House. And this guy was putting 930 turbo engines in the back of VW buses and VW bugs. Crazy. Just crazy. And we stopped and he gave us a ride in one and, you know, he had this bus sitting there with Porsche cup wheels on it. And I mean, it looked totally stock except for the wheels, but it had a 930 turbo engine in the back. Uh, it was just crazy. So uh not sure I'd want to go that fast in one of those, but sounds like fun. Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some quick blips of that Vanagon throttle. So here we go. You're the first fan again on the show. I like that. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I guess for better or worse, taking everything personally. Uh, yeah, hard hard to deflect sometimes. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? It would be Bruce Anderson. Again, I can't really thank him enough. I really didn't get to know him. Um, I've gotten to know more about about him through his wife uh, Stephanie, I've uh, had dinner with her uh, since, and uh, had many occasions to uh, speak to her at Porsche events. Nice. How about the best automotive advice somebody has ever given to you? Oil is cheap. Engines are expensive. <laughs> yeah, for for air cooled Volkswagen VW engines, yeah, definitely. Oil is super super cheap. Change it often and regularly. Uh, how about a great resource? For our listeners, that is a go-to for you. One of the things that kind of kills me from time to time, I'm trying to research something, and typically something I've written or on in Google, and it should, pops up in Google or on our website because I spend a lot of my time trying to educate, and I do a lot of pieces that are just general educational automotive that may not necessarily be specific to uh, VW or Porsche. And I like sharing those with our customers because uh, it's good to have an educated consumer. And I have, and, and I put, and I put them on our website. Your so we website, have a, okay. Right on the hit the front page, and there's an education button, and there's all kinds of PDFs you can download on topics from motor oil to ethanol fuels and everything between. Oh, very cool. So that is lnengineering.com. Yes, it is. Okay, great. Make sure I'm going to go there and read some of that. I think you could teach me a thing or two. In fact, I know you could. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? I don't read a lot of books. I'm usually working. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. um, there are two books, and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, it's Bob Lutz's Icons and Idiots and uh, yeah. Car, Car Guys versus Bean Counters. Yeah, those are two great books. Car Guys versus Bean Counters. Yeah, I love both of those. Um, and definitely worth having on your shelf, if you will. Uh, your books are 
your Volkswagen shelf, your automotive shelf, your library. So I'll make sure I put links to those on Charles' show notes page. Just go to carsyow.com, click or type in Charles Navarro into the search bar, and his page will pop right up. All right, Charles, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car, any collector car out there. Now, you mentioned a car at the beginning of our talk here. That might be what you'd like me to give you, but there's some rules to the game that might change your decision. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. I want you to enjoy it, Uh, but it's the only collector car you can have. That means you've got to get rid of your other collector cars just to have this one. So if you want to keep one of your cars, that's fine. That'll save me some money today. But if I can buy you something, what's it going to be? And I'm afraid the way you're going to answer this is going to cost me a pretty penny. It's going to be the 959, hands down. Yeah, I kind of thought so. So let me ask you about that car because the 959, uh, you're probably familiar with the one that uh, the CS model that Bruce Canapa builds. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Do you want one of those? <laughs> I could care less. It could, it could even be a salvage title one that had to be put back together. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of nice. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I, and for you listeners that aren't familiar with this, uh, last year I had my Cars Yeah television show and I went to Bruce's shop. We did two, two shows actually at his shop because there was so much to see there. And we talked at length about the, uh, Canapa, uh, 59 or 959 that he builds the CS model. It's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, here's a guy that takes, what was state-of-the-art back in the day, and then says, you know what, how can we improve upon this? And he does, and he does it in a really, really cool way. Go and check these out at Bruce Canapa's uh, shop at his website. You can also listen to his shows here on Cars. Yeah, he's been a guest a couple times. 959, you know, just, ah. so touch on a couple elements of why that car is so special for you. First, it was the, uh, I believe it was the fastest production car at that at that point. But that that aside, it had so many firsts. I believe it was the first car with uh, ABS, with traction control, with active suspension, lots of firsts. And other, there's some other real neat from the engine standpoint. Twin turbocharged. Uh, yes, twin turbo. It has, what's interesting, it has water-cooled heads and air-cooled cylinders. And they electron beam welded the cylinders onto the cylinder head. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pretty darn cool. I mean, that car just had so many neat things. And then they went and did a Paris to car version of that thing, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's just what I love about Porsche is they bring out these crazy things. And then years later, you see all that stuff on their street cars. I mean, it's just really, really fascinating. So that I get the car right, is there a particular color? that you would like yours to be in? Because you can choose anything, you know. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it could be polka dotted, and I would polka, still drive it. Okay. Well, you know what? Bruce could do that. Um, he he did a, a liquid silver color uh, that Porsche came out on their 918s, I think it was. I might have that wrong, but that he had one there the day I was there that just, it looked like mercury, like you could reach into the paint and just mush it around. I mean, it was just phenomenal. But, He's building, I think I've seen a green one they're building now. They do all sorts of cool things. So I'll give Bruce a call. I need to call him anyway. We're trying to get him on our buy, sell, hold podcast that I do with Keith Martin. So uh, we'll get him on that show to talk about the current market values. Charles, you've taken me on a fun ride today. This has been great. I'm so thankful for Tony for connecting us. Tony Callis, Callis Rensport. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. Could you offer us one little parting piece of 
perhaps wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in your very own 959 Porsche. Although this might sound corny or a bit cliche, it seems like in this day and age that everyone is looking for instant gratification and everything's on demand. I think it's important to slow down and enjoy the, de- the journey because it's not about the destination. Uh, I read a sobering uh, tidbit a while back that most pensioners, and I forget if it was Ford or GM, most of them pass away shortly after retiring and they've amassed whatever retirement funds they've uh, saved and then they don't get to spend it. You know, what you said is is so amazingly true. And, and as we age, and especially with social media and this instant knowledge of people, today, the day we're recording this, we lost Thomas Bryant. He's a past guest here on Cars. Yeah, he was a amazing guy, formerly the road and track editor. You know, life is, is fleeting, and it's so important to enjoy every day and take the time out to really reflect on on what you get to do today and not be so focused on that end game. I know it's important um, to be looking ahead, but to enjoy the day because, uh, boy, last year I lost eight past guests who'd been here on Cars, yeah? Some of them quite young uh, to uh, like Jesse Combs, who passed in a terrible crash trying to set a land speed record. Others that were aging and so forth, but I'm glad you said that. Take a moment out, enjoy the day, you know, hug a loved one, pet your dog, take a walk. Uh, relax a little bit and enjoy the ride, as they say. Uh, thanks for reminding of that, Charles. That's great. Again, what's the best way for people to figure out and find who you are and what you guys are up to? The best way would be uh, follow us on Facebook. I do all the social media posts all myself personally. So educational bits. I, I promise I try not to, uh, it's not advertising, 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 or sale, sale, sale. I try to share uh, stuff that you can uh, learn from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great. I love uh, love following you guys and what you're doing. I'll encourage my listeners to do the same. I'll make sure I put links to all of these ways to stay in touch with Charles and uh, glean off of his expertise so that you can uh, keep your cool car on the road and keep it cool, we should say. Charles, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life with our listeners. Very inspiring. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.